to you tonight all punches are not equal morally in the eyes of the law yes but in the eyes of good and evil here's the argument they are strictly principled anti-fascists and what they see in the trump administration and what they see happening in this country they see they see the neo-fascism that we see and they've taken a principled stand to stand against white supremacists and white nationalists wherever they may show up. It says it right in the name, Antifa, anti-fascism, which is what they were there um, fighting. Listen, there's, you know, no organization is perfect. There was some violence. I think that a lot of people recognize that when pushed, self-defense is a legitimate response to white supremacist and neo-Nazi violence. The problem is to equate the violence in reaction against bigotry with the bigotry itself is to misunderstand the fact that when you go to cancer treatment, the radiation is tough treatment, but it is meant to remove the cancer. There's a group of anti-fascists called the Black Bloc, which do tend to get violent. Their idea is, look, nonviolence hasn't worked and we are going to try to stop this. But they wouldn't have been there. They wouldn't have been anywhere near there had it not been for the fact that white supremacists, neo-Nazis were out scaring the living daylouts out of most of the people in that town. Thuggishness is thuggishness wherever it comes from politically and and we should be the first to call it out. I disagree. (laughs) 
And welcome back to Flyover Politic Podcast. It is the 9th of January, year of our Lord, 2020. And that intro pretty much sums up our society as a whole right now. It's very interesting. When we left uh, the last show, I was speechless that people would do what they did. And now we've gone full-fledged crazy over it. Because one protest that was totally wrong... And what they did screwed every conservative, not Trump supporter, every conservative will pay for the action of a few wahoos that, to be quite honest, we already have proof that there was, let me find it here, um, facial recognition identifies extremists storming the Capitol, and within there are, of course, Antifa people, but Antifa is an idea so we don't we don't call it that. Known violent BLM Antifa member caught on film inside. And they show pictures. I mean, there's multiple stories that show pictures of Antifa storming the gates. But we're not going to talk about that. Because why would we talk about that? This is a perfect time to wield power and do what the left wants to do, which is shut down opposing voices. So before I go into my diatribe, I want to play a very good soundbite from Tucker Carlson on how he started his show. I think it was the 8th. All day you've been bombarded with images of what has taken place in Washington. Too little time has been spent thinking about why. Anyone who's trying to understand the significance of what's going on right now ought to watch the video of the woman who was shot inside the U.S. Capitol this afternoon. In the footage, which we're not going to show you because it's too upsetting, but you can find it on the Internet, the woman is standing in a hallway right off the House floor at the center of the Capitol building. She appears to be in her 20s. She's got an American flag tied around her neck. The scene around her is chaotic. People are bumping into each other, yelling, trying to get through the door into the Senate chamber. Suddenly, with no warning, there is gunfire. You hear a shot, and the woman falls. She's been hit with a bullet. Seems like the neck could be the chest. Apparently, it was fired by someone in law enforcement. People in the hallway scream. The camera closes in on the woman's face. She looks stunned. She is staring straight ahead, unblinking. In her eyes, you can see that she knows she's about to die, which in the end, she did. The woman died a couple of hours ago at a local hospital. So what can we learn from this? It's not enough to call it a tragedy. Imagine for a second getting the call and learning that was your daughter. The last time you spoke to her, she was heading to Washington for a political rally. Now she's dead. You'll never talk to her again. Seriously, imagine that. If you have children, it will put you in the right frame of mind. That's what we're watching. And we may be watching a lot more of it in the coming days. Political violence begets political violence. That is always true. It is an iron law. It never changes. And we have to be against that. No matter who commits the violence or under what pretext, no matter how many self-interested demagogues assure us the violence is justified or necessary, as they have been assuring us, lying to us for the past six months, we have a duty to oppose all of this. Not simply because political violence kills other people's children, which it does, but because in the end, it doesn't work. No good person will live a happier life because that girl was killed in the hallway of the Capitol today. 
So our only option as a practical matter is to fix what is causing this in the first place. We don't have a choice. You may have nothing in common with the people on the other side of the country. Increasingly, you probably don't, but you're stuck with them. The idea that groups of Americans will somehow break off into separate, peaceful nations of like-minded citizens, that's a fantasy. That will not happen. There is no such thing as a peaceful separation. There never has been and there won't be. The two hemispheres of this country are inseparably intertwined. They are co-joined twins. Neither can leave without killing the other. So that's the first thing to know. As horrifying as this moment is, we have no option but to make it better, to gut it out. The second thing to consider, and it's related to the first, is why the woman who was killed today went to the rally in the first place. We don't know anything about her, but she did not look particularly radical. She bore no resemblance to the angry children we have seen again and again wrecking our cities. Pasty, entitled nihilists dressed in black, setting fires, spray painting slogans on statues. She didn't look like that. The woman in the Capitol hallway looked pretty much like everyone else. So why was she there on a Wednesday? Why were any of them there today? We ought to think about that. If you want to fix it, you have to think about that. The only reason this country is rich and successful is because for hundreds of years we have enjoyed a stable political system. And the only reason that system is stable is because it's a democracy. It responds to voters. Democracy is our pressure relief valve. As long as people sincerely believe they can change things by voting, they stay calm. They don't storm the Bastille. They don't burst into the House chamber. They talk and they organize and they vote. But the opposite is also true. If people begin to believe that their democracy is fraudulent, if they conclude that voting is a charade, the system is rigged and it's run in secret by a small group of powerful, dishonest people who are acting in their own interests, then God knows what could happen. Actually, we do know what could happen. It's happening right now. It's happened in countless other countries over countless centuries. And the cycle is always the same because human nature never changes. Listen to us, screams the population. Shut up and do what you're told, replied their leaders. In the face of dissent, the first instinct of illegitimate leadership is to crack down on the population. But crackdowns never make it better. Instead, they always make the country more volatile and more dangerous. The people in charge really understand that. They don't want to. They don't care to learn or listen because all of this conversation is a referendum on them and their leadership. So they clamp down harder. Obey, I tell you, obey. This is the Romanov program. It ends badly every single time. But that doesn't mean they won't try it again. Of course they will, because it's their nature. It's how we got here in the first place. Millions of Americans sincerely believe the last election was fake. You can dismiss them as crazy. You can call them conspiracy theorists. You can kick them off Twitter. But that won't change their minds. Rather than trying to change their minds, to convince them and reassure them that the system is real, that the democracy work, as you would do if you cared about the country or the people who live here, our new leaders will try to silence them. What happened today will be used by the people taking power to justify stripping you of the rights you were born with as an American. Your right to speak without being censored. Your right to assemble, to not be spied upon, to make a living, to defend your family most critically. These are the most basic and ancient freedoms that we have. They're why we live here in the first place. They're why we're proud to be Americans. They're what make us different. And they're all now in peril. When thousands of your countrymen stormed the Capitol building, 
You don't have to like it. We don't. You can be horrified by the violence. And as we said, and we'll say it again, we are horrified. It's wrong. But if you don't bother to pause and learn a single thing from it, from your citizens storming your Capitol building, then you're a fool. You lack wisdom and you lack self-awareness. You have no place running a country. We got to this sad, chaotic day for a reason. It is not your fault. It is their fault. He said it better than I could ever say. And if you see me looking to the left, it's because I just recorded for like five minutes and nothing happened because the cursor shut off OBS. That's good. But if you don't want to know why those people did what they did, if you don't even know now, you haven't been paying attention. I went on a quest to talk to all sorts of different people before I did this show. And that's why I was kind of speechless at the end of the last one. Was kind of shocked that Trump supporters would ever do something like that. And yeah, I'm dipping. Sorry, it's cold. It's in the teens. It's very early here. I got a fire trying to get heat into the the bunker. It's it's freaking cold out. Um, but I I talk to liberals. I talk to people that I would term if you ever since we have a term for it, never Trumpers. People that just hate Trump. Talk to two of them. I talked to guys that are all down with Trump. It's almost amazing how much the hate for Trump has made people just shut off their intellectual honesty. If you go back and listen to the five years of podcasts that I've done and not saying, ooh, I'm a smart guy, I said we'd get here. We'd be right here because you can't have two systems of justice. I'm about to play a soundbite in a few seconds that's the way the media and the Dems want to prep it for the two systems. But you can't have two systems. And majority of our society, whether we like it or not, live on social media. Social media has always been a liberal haven. It's been run by liberals. It's usually coded by liberals. Uh, If you want to listen to back episodes of the podcast, I talk about all the times where I started on on chat rooms. One was huge. It had worldwide like 300,000 people. And if you were conservative and you said hypocrite, you got suspended. But the other person could call you a fucking Nazi. I mean, it's always been that way. So that's built up. And these people have been affected by it. Then you talk about the last four years. Now, a lot of people, especially the never-Trumpers, look at people that like Trump or or Trump mega people as rubes. Just a bunch of inbred, bucktooth, uneducated idiots. Well, I could tell you as an independent, I looked at Obama people that way too. Obama could have shot somebody on Fifth Avenue as... Trump joked about nobody would care because he was so cool. They had votive candles for him. So if you didn't think that was going to spurn the opposite, once again, you don't know human nature. You're going to have people that are going to be cultists, and there's nothing we can do about it. We're a society that craven for people, somebody to idolize, and Trump became the idol for the right. 
But they look down at those people. They're horrible fucking people because they hate Trump. Everything about Trump. Trump could hand them a million dollars. They'd bitch because they just don't like the guy. But you look at four years of taking that guy down. Where standards, we they talk about the standards he ruined and the decorum he ruined. But they didn't look at the standards that we just applied for eight years that you couldn't disrespect the office of the President of the United States. The day of his inauguration, people were burning shit down, rioting, the media was tearing him apart. And then they went about taking him out of office until they could impeach him over some bullshit. You couple that with HRC having emails that would get any soldier kicked the fuck out of the army. You, you can't do that. The FBI covering for releasing that the FBI was after him with Page and Carter. Now, you don't have faith in the FBI. All the intel lied and said it was true. We find out four years later it was all a lie. There was no Russian connection. I still can't understand how people could believe $136,000 of bots on Facebook during an election, but whatever. And then you go through all the things the media, the Dems have done to undercut a president. Why would you think they wouldn't question this election? Anybody that is out there, if you truly believe Biden got 80 million votes, I feel really sorry for you. Because there's no way he got more votes than Biden or than, than Obama. Obama people crawled out from under rocks. That's white, black, pink, Martian. People from fucking Venus voted for Obama. Everybody voted for Obama. It was intersectionality. It was virtue signaling. It was the first black president, which brings you another point. Why is nobody hyped up about Harris? Oh, because none of them voted for her. That's why she's the vice president. Really odd. But <clears throat> I digress. Of course they're going to question it. People who hate Trump that I talked to was, well, Trump turned people to vote that way. He wouldn't have got the $80 million, but Trump's horrible. He's a piece of fucking shit. Once again, you're, you're, you're taking your intellectual honesty and throwing it in the back door, out the back door, because there's no way he got 80 million votes. 80 million legal votes. Legal. Then you look at the run-up to the election. How they censored anything negative for Biden because they wanted Biden. Republicans wanted Biden, the establishment. FBI wanted Biden. The media wanted Biden. Everybody wanted Biden. So they censored it to a level that has never been done. Ever. I mean, we've talked about on the show, there, there's never been a major paper sponsor or endorse a, a Republican president candidate ever. So yeah. Yeah, that's that's not a surprise, but it was extra level. And then, going back to what I said, everybody lives social media. The world is social, it's virtual. And that virtual world is cracking down, suspending, changing rules. We have election changes, 80 laws, and we have 25 Twitter and Facebook laws changing. You can't even post the same because they want to protect Biden. You can't quote people because they want to protect Biden. You can't post things. And then when the election is done and they call it after some squirrely shit that we've never done, we never stopped voting, you could say it's the mail-in, whatever, 
These people who are now been indoctrinated into everything is rigged because that's what the Democrats did for four years. That's what the Democrats did in 2000. That's what the Democrats did in 2004. They're not buying it because they live virtual in a social media world and they watch you can't even say the election was rigged. And now we're into parlor. You can't go to parlor on your phone. That's taken out. The President of the United States and all his followers and a bunch of people and Rush Limbaugh and every major conservative on social media is losing 10, 20, 30,000 followers not being unfollowed. They're being taken away so their voice can't get out. Do you think people aren't going to riot? I mean, a guy who took a lethal dose of fentanyl-laced meth and had a horrible knee to the neck, that spurred destruction nationwide, which that new intro, we have three of them now, once again, shows Democrats in the media were just fine with it. They had no problem. They endorsed it. They thought it was great. And now the administration that's taking over, the establishment that's taking over, is punishing and arresting everybody seen in these. You know, we heard the bullshit about 10,000 arrests. Those 10,000 arrests didn't equate to anything. They released them. It didn't matter what you did in some of the... If you were in Portland and you fucking burned something down, nothing happened to you. They're just now cracking down. They didn't even call it the National Guard. We went through... It's horrible to use CS and pepper balls and major cities stopped doing it. And then for this event, there was CS. There were pepper balls. But it wasn't good enough because only one person died. They should have all died. And if you talk to a liberal and you talk to a never-Trumper, they can't accept any of that. They don't see that. It just isn't grasping in their mind that you have those two standards. You're going to have problems. But instead of understanding it, trying to find out why, accepting that you can't say it's okay for Obama cultists to be one way, but you can't be Trump cultists, our new president and vice president, they still went with the race. What we saw yesterday in our nation's capital was as the president-elect has called it, an assault on the rule of law. And it has no place in our democracy. So I believe we must ask ourselves two questions about what happened yesterday. What went wrong and how do we make it right? And I believe the answers require us to recognize that the challenge we're facing in our country is about more than the actions of the few we watched yesterday. It's about how to reform, how to transform a justice system 
that does not work equally for all. A justice system that is experienced differently depending on whether you're white or black. A justice system that is experienced differently if you're rich or poor. A justice system that's different depending on whether your job requires you to take a shower before you go to work or requires you to take a shower when you come home after work. We witnessed two systems of justice. When we saw one that let extremists storm the United States Capitol and another that released tear gas on peaceful protesters last summer. What we saw yesterday in plain view was another violation of the fundamental tenet of this nation. Not only do we see the failure to protect one of the three branches of our government, we also saw a clear failure to carry out equal justice. I don't know if you used to say in the Senate, excuse a point of personal privilege. A little over an hour and a half after the chaos started, I got a text from my granddaughter, Finnegan Biden, who's a senior in her last semester at the University of Pennsylvania. She sent me a photo of military people in full military gear, scores of them lining the steps of the Lincoln Memorial because of protests by Black Lives Matter. She said, Pop, this isn't fair. Now, I really want to play another version of the summer. And I know it seems like it's over the top. And I play it a lot. But if we've been with the show a long time, I really like the primer concept. I want you to go back to what you saw in the beginning, which was the Capitol wrong. The second was the heart building. And that was during Kavanaugh. It was occupied twice. So this isn't the first time the Capitol has been occupied. That's a lie. You had a new Dems and media calling for violence. Now you have another supercut. So we, we got three different versions. I'm only going to play two of them. And then we'll start reading some of the tweets and things your media and the left said after this event. I want to be clear in how I characterize this. This is a, mostly a protest. Uh, it, is not, uh, it is not, generally speaking, unruly. That ain't a riot, what we're seeing right now in Minneapolis. They are strictly principled anti-fascists, and they've taken a principled stand to stand against white supremacists and white nationalists wherever they may show up. I argue to you tonight, all punches are not equal morally. It says it right in the name, Antifa, anti-fascism, which is what they were there um, fighting. Listen, there's, you know, no organization is perfect. There was some violence. Any reasonable person would say we shouldn't be destroying other people's property, but these are not reasonable times. But thank goodness for the looters, man. And please show me where it says that protests are supposed to be polite. And peaceful. I don't care that much about statutes. Respectfully, should that be done by a commission or the city council, not a mob in the middle of the night throwing it into the harbor? People will do what they do. What you're seeing behind me is one of multiple locations that have been burning in Kenosha, Wisconsin. Do not get it twisted and think that oh, this is some 
something that has not never happened before and then this is so terrible and where are we and these savages and all of that this is how this country was started people get mad and people get sick of it people are risking covid to explain to this country that we're fed up. Most of the major movements in American history have started at the grassroots level and at some point have turned into direct conflict with American government. So remember your history before you judge your present. Thuggishness is thuggishness wherever it comes from politically and and we should be the first to call it out. I disagree. Now, understand, two standards, they say. There's two standards. What black people did in the streets and white Antifa members did in the streets. Two standards. But if you frame it with what I'm talking about, the two standards of social media where people live... And then the two standards of what you can say, and now we're playing the montage of the media calling, Democrats calling for violence over the last year. Cities being raised. And then they come up and talk about race again. Because to them, you're not anything but your appearance. They're going into this entire administration with you being a horrible white person. And the majority of the country is horrible. Which, once again, me and the wife were watching TV last night. And it's an interesting duality of what always confuses me about liberals. Gender is a construct, but you're a sexist, and you must do this, and you must do that. And the 95 pronouns, and that doesn't all jive. And then you talk about the growing demographics. The growing diversity of our country, majority diversity country, but we're still 70% white, and then they go back to systemic racism. Well, if you have the growing diversity, you're diverse, there would be no systemic racism. Because we're more other than white, is what you're saying. But you're not saying that, because you just say whatever you fucking can say to win an argument. Before we get to texts and tweets and all this bullshit, The Federalist had a great article. Media outrage over Capitol riot isn't about defending democracy, it's about wielding power. Yes, the breach of the Capitol was appalling and disturbing. Most people didn't see it coming or were understandably shocked when images of mega bros fighting Capitol Police began popping out on social media. Although the authorities should have been better prepared, most of D.C. Mayor Muriel Browser, who had early rejected offers for additional law enforcement, there was no question the protesters decided the riot should be prosecuted as all rioters everywhere should be. Oh, wait. It doesn't matter now if you say that. After a whole summer of people saying, this is... The words of those that are oppressed. (laughs) A Martin Luther King quote. It isn't looting. It is people paying their family and redistributing. And it doesn't matter that every article starts with this. This is what the media is saying. And Nancy, you have just so clearly laid out what we are going to see and the drama that still awaits us this evening, because the question is whether those Republican members of Congress will walk back 
what President George W. Bush has called reckless behavior in objecting to what he called um, the constitutionally, constitutionally mandated meeting of Congress. And for those Republicans that said today was unimaginable, there have been some who have saying, no, this is the culmination of continuing to allow President Trump to have no guardrails. And that was part of the exasperation, you could call desperation, that we heard in the voice of the Republican leader of the House of Representatives, Kevin McCarthy, who we spoke with earlier today. He was the first indication that we got that they were desperately calling the White House, telling the president, this must end. Take a listen. Why have you all run from the Capitol? Why not stay there and meet these, these people who believe the same way that you do? Why not meet well, them with I courage? I can't tell you where we are out of safety for everybody else. Um, but the one thing I will tell you is people can have a disagreement. We disagree every day when it comes to politics. Um, people can have that. Not this. Nobody supports this. Nobody encourages this. Nobody wants this. I want to be very clear. I condemn any of this activity. This is not anything I support. This is not anything that I would be a part of. And this has got to stop. That mob was encouraged by the president. Your colleague, Republican colleague Liz Cheney, a member of the leadership, said that there's no question that the president formed the mob. He lit the flame. What must the president I, I do right now? Well, I, dis I disagree with that. We're all responsible for our own actions, full stop. It's our it's our actions. And uh, you can get we're all adults here are supposed to be adults. Uh, these flames have been uh, have been fanned for uh, over five years now. By the and if anybody's to blame, it's it's all of us. You know, the media is to blame, the right and the left is to blame. But at the end of the day, we're all responsible for our own actions. Oh, Congressman, I don't I don't think you saw the media encouraging those monsters yesterday. You did see the president. No, not yesterday. I, I, sir, I, I'm not saying that you guys did yesterday. Absolutely not. I'm saying what's happened for the last five years. Uh, and as, as I say, as a country, we are better than this. There is nobody to blame but ourselves when we start acting in that manner. There is no excuse and no one's to blame but ourselves. We need to take a hard look at our country. We need to take a hard look at the way we debate. We can agree to disagree, but that doesn't mean I don't love you. That doesn't mean I don't care for you. That doesn't mean I don't love this country any more or any less than you. Uh, but what we did yesterday was absolutely unexcusable. We didn't do it. The mobsters did it. The rioters do it, did it. The president encouraged it. But thank you for your time, Connor. I don't know. There's a lot of empty rhetoric. There's a lot of empty concern. You know, this is one of those things. I think a lot of people are having their I told you so moment, unfortunately, right now. Do they go um, back, Chuck, and, and, and continue with this, with these objections? When, when they, order uh, is restored, do they get back on the floor and say, I object? I, 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 it's a great question. It is a great question. I have to say, I'm, like I said, I'm very uncomfortable that, unfortunately, these folks have successfully delayed this. And that is, that is something that is, that is unfortunate, that that is a perception that should not hold or stand. Um, Congress can do some things remotely. This is important that they cannot disrupt this process and, 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 and this easily. So, What a message uh, I, it sends to it the is. elections in 2022, the election yep. in 2024. Yeah, I mean, if you're thinking about and this is politics and it's obviously not no, of the most no. immediate in concern right now. But if you are thinking about running in those two uh, elections, what how do you look back on this? What part what role did do you did you play? Yeah. What do you say to your voters to say, hey, trust me with your safety and your security? Trust me, I have I, I have good judgment and good values. There's a lot of there's a lot of entities and individuals who are responsible for today. Obviously, President Trump being 
the, the lead person, but, but um, there's a lot of entities that helped um, apologize for this rhetoric around the edges of the... And to have Republicans not, not asking for his resignation other than the, gov the Republican governor of Vermont. To have Congress senators, Senator Hawley at least, not being having his resignation demanded for having started this entire thing in the Congress, but him sticking with it, staying with this. I mean, the idea that the Republican Party is going to somehow defy the label of being a violent insurrectionist party with fascist markers is hard to see when their internal discipline is stern speeches and no rebukes. I what happens next? What, what, uh, what's the big picture? How, how do we move forward as a country? You know, I think it's going to be really difficult. There are voices, very loud, prominent, influential voices that have spent decades tearing down trust in our institutions, tearing down education, tearing down facts, tearing down the media, etc. And you don't build that back overnight. It, it takes a lot of work and it's a it's a effort that involves everybody in this country, from our lawmakers to individual voice, voices on social media uh, to influential voices in the media, and most uh, importantly, the conservative media, people like Rush Limbaugh, people on Fox News, the ones who have been tearing things down for decades for their own benefit. In order to get past this, in order to get a shared set of values, everybody has got to agree that the sky is blue, that the sky is not on fire. You can disagree with on policy all you want, but there needs to be a shared set of facts. There needs to be a reality, one reality that we're all living in. Katie Turr, thank you so much for uh, coming by. To Really? So it doesn't matter if you apologize. Once again, this isn't about what happened. This is about them wielding power. And if we know anything, we know that Republicans are scared to wield power and they don't wield power. And Democrats abuse power. They go after you. Because you don't think like them. You will do what the fuck they tell you or else they'll take your rights away. That's what they do. That's what they've always done. And when they can't get it through the Senate or the House, they just do it through other means. I mean, really think about it. A dictator can't talk to the American people right now. But he's a dictator. They were floating. He's got the football and he might nuke people. They tried to do the 25th. When that didn't work, they tried to do impeachment again. Why? The only reason is so that anybody who's around him is toxic and then going forward, all those senators are toxic. Anybody who fights it is toxic and they can just do what they want to do, which is fundamentally change America. They are the fascist. I've said that for three years. They're the fascist. Whenever a Democrat is screaming about something, it is a cover up for what they've done or want to do and I'm not a Republican I'm not a Trumper but when you objectively get out of Trump's a bad guy and you look at what the left's done for four years all this peacocking over violence and peacocking over challenging an election you challenged the election for four years and tried to overthrow a president 
I don't care how bad he is. I don't care that he's a jackass. I don't care that he's unprofessional. I don't care about any of those. You just set a precedence. And worst, it would not matter. Biden could tweet, kill Whitey. They would never suspend his account. If Biden was tweeting, this election was rigged, Trump rigged the election, they would never suspend his account. They would never change rules. We would never be able to change election laws in this country to support a Republican process. If the Republicans came up with, A, we're going to mail-in vote, it's illegal to go in person because of COVID. And then the CDC says, oh, no, you should go vote. Do you know how bad that would have been? It's the hypocrisy. Two standards. Back to the article. But elite outrage is not really about what happened at the Capitol, about the sacred citadel of our democracy being defiled and so on. The outrage, like almost all expressions of righteous indignation, and this comes from John Daniel Davidson, Uh, expression of the nation from our elites and Trump era is performative. It's in service of a larger purpose that has nothing to do with the peaceful transfer of power and everything to do with wielding of power. Specifically, it's about punishing supporters of Trump. If the pro-Trump mob can be depicted as terrorists and traitors, then there's almost nothing we shouldn't do to silence them, right? Rick Klein, the political director of ABC News, said the quiet part out loud on Thursday when he mused in a now-deleted tweet that getting rid of Trump is the easy part and the more difficult will be cleansing the movement. They've all done it. After saying, who says protests are supposed to be peaceful? The New York Times, Trump incites mob, rampaging capital, forces evacuation. It's part of his legacy, a Republican says. A Republican. Like all Mexicans are murder and rapists, those fine people. No, he didn't. Obama said, get in your house coat and slippers and go protest. BLM was born. Obama kept pushing BLM. Dallas happened. Nobody pinned it on Obama, nor should they. Goes back to the H1N1. Nobody pinned it on Obama. Nobody said Obama killed people. 61 million fucking Americans got H1N1. It wasn't his fault. We didn't even lock down. We stopped counting at 50,000 deaths. Two standards. And, And here are your tweets. Let me zoom this up. In fact, let me do what I should always do on this show. And I don't do. And... Pull out the glasses. Yeah, holy guacamole. Catherine, it's almost as if Don Lemon and Chris Cuomo feel they can speak with any level of bias or arrogance they wish. Christopher Cuomo, too late. They're not peaceful because you are not about peace. You can't control what you can't cause, and that is what you will be remembered for. Those who stoked these flames must be remembered they fed lies and moved people to exactly what we are seeing. Yeah. The world 
replying back, show me where it says peaceful or supposed to be, uh, protests are supposed to be peaceful. Scott Moorfield, this Chris Cuomo clip from June has not aged well. The message from left-wing media and politicians for several months has been clear. Violence works. Chris Cuomo, please show me where protests are supposed to be polite and peaceful. Please show me, please show me, please show me. Then they come up with their new word. This is more sedition than speech, and it's on you. These people are acting on the animus put out by you fringe agitators. This is where demonizing and deception gets you. Even now, you spare Trump and try to divide. Shame on you. That was his reply. Uh, let's look at um, just CNN. Not the whole media, just CNN. The only terrorists in America are white people. All Trump supporters are Nazis. Christians cause COVID. Jesus fucking Christ, do you even listen to what you say? If there's been a group that's been demonized since day one in this country, it sure the fuck isn't everybody else. It's Trump supporters. And do I care about Trump supporters? No! I'm not a Trump supporter. I don't even know a lot of Trump supporters. But the point is, it's just intellectually dishonest to say that Trump caused A or B, a baseball shooting by a Bernie bro with the goddamn assassination list was fucking Trump's fault. Vegas, a country music festival shot up by a lefty that we don't even know was a lefty. We don't even know why it happened. They never told us because the FBI just didn't release it. When everybody with the fucking brain knows, for fuck's sake, it has to be a lefty. Why would you shoot up a fucking country music festival? That's a bunch of fucking rebels. That's what we did. When the mob killed a bunch of cops in Dallas, Obama even went to the fucking funeral and talked about Black Lives Matter. Get the fuck out of here. Uh, Congressman Cory Bush, I believe the Republican members of Congress who have incited this domestic terror attack through their attempts to overturn the election must face consequences. They have broken their sacred oath of office. I will be inducing a resolution calling for their expulsion. They're taking it as far as they can. This is a real tweet. Callie Joy Gray. When Democrats lost in 2016, they knitted pink hats and donated to Planned Parenthood. Really? You you really believe that? that that's what they did? Really? Okay. Yeah, yeah, we don't buy that. Sister told you, radical BLM Antifa protesters participated in a violent destruction of major Democrat-run cities across America for months last year, and the vast majority of them have faced no punishment. In fact, they were called peaceful by Democrats and media types now denouncing violence. Be a king. What many are saying is true. If they were Black Lives Matter storming the Capitol, tanks would have been in the city by now. The response tells the story of our nation's racist history and present. How can we stop it from being the future? That is so disingenuous. They occupied police precincts. They took over whole cities. They set up autonomous zones. The vice president of the United States donated so murderers could get released from jail. Because they protested. Peacefully. Sally Cohn. 
The mob storming the Capitol right now are neither patriots nor revolutionaries. They are traitors and cowards trying to upend our democracy by force because they fear peaceful change and not getting their way. I don't like violent protests, but I understand them. And those wagging their fingers against violent protests need to read up on the American history. All the white people. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's great. Chris Hayes, everyone who worked in Republican Party politics last four years helped make this happen. This, along with the hundreds of thousands of dead from COVID, was part of the cost of the 6-3 court and the corporate tax rate being cut from 35 to 21. You built this. Mr. I don't find soldiers to be heroes. Vox, riots are destructive, dangerous, and scary, but can lead to serious social reform. That's August. Now, arrest every single person involved in Wednesday's violent protest, says German Lopez. If rioters can finally shut down the federal government without consequences, it will send a message that this behavior is something they can get away with. Andrew Sullivan. Uh, replying to Megyn Kelly, the Capitol riots are wrong, but the Trump critics using this as proof that every criticism they've ever lobbed at Trump, his supporters, has been validated as absurd. Andrew Sullivan, not just validated, we were not emphatic enough. This man incited an act of terror against our democracy rather than accept an electoral defeat. This tyrant wannabe tried to kill our democracy. Andy Lassiter said the same thing. Tom Nichols. It's unfortunate to give her one more moment of attention, but when it's all over, no one should forget this, that she said this. It it goes on for fucking ever. He's going to make sure no one ever forgets that you said 74 million people shouldn't be judged by the action of a few dozen. I just hope you can live with the hyperlink on your Wikipedia page. Rick Klein. Trump will be an ex-president in 13 days. The fact is that getting rid of Trump is the easy part. Cleansing the movement he commands is going to be something else. We've done truth and reconciliation. We've done fucking education camps. Now we're doing uh, uh, cleansing. We need to cleanse. Everybody needs to be cleansed. Cleanse that shit. Cleansing is an interesting term. Seems like a leader in Germany used the same term in the 30s. Got your brown shirt back? Mark Wright. Sorry to disagree, but it is the corrupt media that needs to be cleansed of elitists who think they know better than the rest of us. Brian Seltzer says, hold my beer. David Frum, with key context from Wednesday's attack, we've had an escalating crescendo pro-Trump political violence over the past four years. He says, pro-Trump. It's like they don't even remember the summer. They can't remember that anybody wore a red hat, got carjacked, beat, murdered. None of that matters. It was never covered. A lot of never-Trumpers never saw it because they don't go on social media and look for it. It's like it just never happened. Because if we don't report it, it doesn't happen. Unless it comes out of CNN or MSNBC or ABC or NBC or CBS or PBS, a lot of people just don't listen to it. When they can't get through their head, you're not going to hear it. You're just going to hear pro-Democrat shit. That's all you're going to ever hear. They're going to interview the peaceful protesters on fucking Veterans Day. It happened. There has been 
rioting for most of the past year, and you've excused it because you share the goals of the rioters, somebody said to Seltzer. He doesn't care. Ali Vesher, Trump's incites the mob, headline of the Morning New York Times, any journalist who sugarcoats their language or normalizes what has happened today isn't doing their job. Our job is to bear witness and tell the truth. Trump is attempting a coup and inciting violence. MSNBC reporter just now. I want to be clear on how I characterize this. This is mostly protest is, is not it, it is not generally speaking unruly. He's standing in front of a burning building. Camille, we must be honest about this. We've endured years of escalating polarization and political violence, full stop. Past four years, mass shooting, targeting lawmakers, scores dead amid waves of mass demonstration, riots, municipal buildings, torch, fed outposts under months-long siege. But no leftless violence that led to this whatsoever, right? Mm -mm. It's time to wield power. It's to get those people out of the sphere and only hear one side of every story. Jake Tapper. How could this have happened? As Trump-enabling politicians and media for four years ignored warnings that something like this would inevitably happen. Ismet Mongol. Yes, you and your colleagues at CNA played absolutely no roles. None. Matt McDermott. Incredible scene at Capitol Hill right now where thousands of anti-Kavanaugh protesters have been over, uh, have taken over the Hart Senate building. Yesterday, we are witnessing a domestic terrorism attack incited by the Republican Party. They they don't see it. If you don't report it, you don't see it. So what did the rest of the media do? This is rather long. It's 13 minutes. But I'm going to play it because two standards. I don't know. There's a lot of empty rhetoric. There's a lot of empty concern. You know, this is one of those things. I think a lot of people are having their I told you so moment, unfortunately, right now. Do they go Um, back, Chuck, and and continue with this, with these objections? When when order is restored, do they get back on the floor and say, I object? It's a great question. It is a great question. I have to say, I'm like I said, I'm very uncomfortable that unfortunately these folks have successfully delayed this, and that is that is something that is that is unfortunate. That that is a perception that should not hold or stand. Um, Congress can do some things remotely. This is important that they cannot disrupt this process and in, 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 in this easily. So, what a message I, I, it sends to it the is. elections in 2022, the election yep. in 2024. I mean, if you're thinking about, and this is politics, and it's obviously not of the most immediate concern right now, but if you are thinking about running in those two uh, elections, what, how do you look back on this? What part, what role did, do you, did you play? Yeah. What do you say to your voters to say, hey, trust me with your safety and your security. Trust me, I have, I, I have good judgment and good values. There's a lot of there's a lot of entities and individuals who are responsible for today. Obviously, President Trump being the the lead person, but but um, there's a lot of entities that helped um, apologize for this rhetoric, round the edges of this rhetoric, um, and some of these entities or and, just and, ignore and, it. Or, they just didn't or, see the organization. They didn't hear it. Now, David, um, we're, we've heard many of our colleagues today saying the events were surreal. 
unimaginable. I disagree. I think it was all too real. I think this is where we are. And we've been blind to it, um, many of us who don't get to travel around the country a lot. Um, this is who we are. There are a lot of people uh, who believe with what those people were thinking and doing today at the Capitol. The question is, does this mark a beginning or an end for this country? Well, uh, look, I think there is some positive to take out of tonight. I think the speeches we're hearing on the floor of the House and the Senate are very important tonight. Uh, Mitt Romney, uh, prominent among them, and there have been others, Republicans and Democrats. But only Democrats were only Democrats were clapping for Romney. I'm told by the control room when they started clapping okay. for him, we wanted to know who it wasn't his own party. Keep going. Yeah. Nevertheless, Republicans and Democrats have made some very important points on a day that was being built up as a lot of theater and a lot of nonsense, and people have taken stock. I try to be more positive after the events of today. <laughs> where I think Republicans have an opportunity to reflect on the path that they're headed down. Uh, I don't think even those who were, uh, you know, who had nurse grievances, who were pro-Trump, I don't think this crowd, this mob today is reflective of them. Yeah. I don't think people would resort to violence. These were people who were particularly whipped up and vulnerable to this president's message, who went out of his way to tell them to take that anger to the Capitol, and that was wrong. Michael, let me get a quick let me get a quick button from you, and then I want to go to Jim Acosta about what's happening in the White House. And just to be clear, I'm not saying a beginning or end of our country. I'm saying a beginning of this kind of phase of chaotic uh, mobocracy, or will this be an end point where we pivot to something better? Yeah. Uh, that but there's a lot of whataboutism today that didn't necessarily have to happen. Stand on what is happening right now. Don't go back to what happened this summer. Again, I think it's apples and oranges. Don't talk about the Black Lives Matter. Don't talk about the protests. We can all deal with that. Let's talk about what happened today. This is supposed to be the greatest democracy in the world. And in that greatest democracy in the world today, insurrectionists, domestic terror terrorists, took over the nation's capital and caused someone to Die. Four people lost their lives. Four today. people lost their lives, but one of them was shot. Three of them were for medical emergencies. Now, one of them was shot. Before we went to the floor, I want you to see the moment. Look, this is what you're going to hear. You're going to hear people defend today by saying, hey, we, we weren't the bad guys. We were victimized. A woman died today. And that is true. A woman lost her life today because of what was done. And here's some of the video of it. So you saw what we did there, right? We froze the video to save you the aftermath. I have to be honest with you. Uh, this is a discretion call editorially that we make to kind of insulate you from the reality of violence. I've always thought it was a mistake. I think I, we should show it. I think it's a mistake at war. I remember covering the Iraq war and being over there and you guys lost interest uh, and you didn't want to see dead bodies anymore. And I think that when you get numb to it, you start to forget the significance. Yeah. It matters that she was taken out there today. It didn't have to happen. It should have never happened. None of this should be Chris, happening. But we, we showed Ahmaud Arbery sure. being shot on camera. Should. 
we show George Floyd losing his life on camera. Mm -hmm. We show a lot of people who were killed by police, mostly black people, black men, being killed on camera. We should show that woman being killed on camera as well. I'm not sure. Listen, I don't make the decisions around here as to what. There is no difference. A life being lost is a life being lost, regardless of who it is and in what situation. So I think you're absolutely right. We should show that to show how horrible yeah. these insurrectionists, the, the horror of their actions today. The reason that we don't show it is actually the opposite of why, of we, why should. we should. Uh, because we're not in a place where you're sensitive. We're insensitive. That's the problem. When, you, when we, all the things we talk about up here sound so abstract, when we talk about the peaceful transfer of power, it just sounds like something from a, from a book. This is what it looks like when you don't have a peaceful transfer of power. Abraham Lincoln talked about some people want rule or ruin. If I can't have it my way, I'll burn the whole country down. If I can't have it my way, I will burn the country down. So now we... I don't think that Republicans and conservatives can look at this and say this is okay. I'm calling on all of my conservative friends, my Republican friends, to say, what would I do if Black Lives Matter dropped 30,000 black people on the nation's capital and laid siege to the seat of power in the middle of a joint session of Congress and broke in? What would I say if Black Lives Matter do that? I'm going to say that right now. What would, if Muslims did it? If Muslims dropped 30,000 Muslims on the seat of government in the middle of a joint session of Congress and ran in there and there was blood on the floor and tear gas, what would we be saying? If you believe that we are all one people, you don't like the hyphenations. If you believe that we're all one country, if you won't believe in law and order, if you're against uh, traitors, if you are for patriotism, there needs to be a uniform denunciation from top to bottom of the Republican Party of what we're seeing. I mean, there's definitely threatening remarks to us. I, I would say this is a very dangerous situation. And as you know well, George, I've been in a lot of very dangerous situations. But it is so horrible to know we are in America where this is happening, on Capitol Hill. I'm not in Baghdad. I'm not in Kabul. I'm not in a dangerous situation overseas. We are in America. And when I, I know some people have mentioned this today, when the rest of the world looks at us right now, it is just appalling to think about the fact that we are on Capitol Hill. It's been breached. Someone shot inside. And all of this chaos right behind me, right in front of me, everywhere I look. Uh, and, and certainly there are people who are threatening us. And, and it is very different from Trump rallies. I often said at Trump rallies, they turn around and say, we hate you, go home. But then two minutes later, they're shaking your hand. This time, you don't feel that vibe at all. It is, they're warning us, they're threatening us, they're telling us we're fake. That's the least of the problem. I'm not worried about that. I'm worried about that building and American democracy and what this all says about that today and how out of control this is and how we were not ready for this. And they don't care what Donald Trump just said. They really don't. It is so out of control and chaotic now. I don't know what the president can do, but I think it's going to take law enforcement to get these people out here, not Donald Trump. The reason they could easily and casually 
with their cameras on, film themselves throwing things through the walls of our Capitol, our property, going inside the Capitol, sitting in uh, Speaker Pelosi's office, casually take pictures of themselves, have that played on Fox News. They know that they are not in jeopardy because the cops are taking selfies with them, walking them down the steps to make sure they're not hurt, taking care with their bodies, not like they treated Freddie Gray's body. White Americans aren't afraid of the cops. White Americans are never afraid of the cops, even when they're committing insurrection, even when they're engaged in attempting to occupy our capital to steal the votes of people who look like me. Because in their minds, they own this country, they own that capital, they own the cops, the cops work for them, and people like me have no damn right to try to elect a president. Because we don't get to pick the president, they get to pick the president, they own the president, they own the White House, they own this country. And so when you think you own it, you own the place, you ain't afraid of the police because the police are you and the police reflect back to them. We're with you. You're good. We're not going to hurt you because you're not them. Guarantee you if that was a Black Lives Matter protest in D.C., there would already be people shackled, arrested or dead. Shackled, arrested, en masse or dead. Get a, a Brittany Packnett Cunningham on here. She'll tell you how they treated her in Ferguson. Put Alicia Garza on here. She'll tell you how they treated her at every Black Lives Matter march. Get Patrice Cullors on. They'll tell you. They'll tell you what it feels like to protest peacefully and unarmed and have how the police will treat you if you're black. That's it. They're not afraid of the cops because they know the cops are cool with it. You talked about al-Qaeda. What has he done in terms of incitement, right? that Osama bin Laden didn't do. He simply told people the way to win a war against America is that you need to be able to sacrifice your body. D these people are saying, I'm willing to die for Trump. An experience like the one we have just witnessed in this Capitol. President Franklin Roosevelt set aside December 7th, 1941 as a day that will live in infamy. Unfortunately, we can now add January 6th, 2021, to that very short list of dates in American history that will live forever in infamy. This temple to democracy was desecrated. Its windows smashed, our offices vandalized. The world saw Americans elected officials hurriedly ushered out because they were in harm's way. The House and Senate floors were places of shelter until the evacuation is, was ordered, leaving rioters to stalk these hallowed halls. Lawmakers and our staffs, average citizens who love their country, serve it every day, feared for their lives. I understand that one woman was shot and tragically lost her life. We mourn her and feel for her friends and family. These images were projected to the world. Foreign embassies cabled home their, capital, their home capitals to report the harrowing scenes at the very heart of our democracy. This will be a stain on our country not so easily washed away. The final, terrible, indelible legacy of the 45th President of the United States, undoubtedly our worst. I want to be very clear. Then we have the race angle. Been very big. Race double standard clear in riot, rioters' capital insurrection, the star said. 
uh, Minneapolis Star, Princeton professor tells NPR you saw peaceful protests across the country after George Floyd murder. Peaceful protests. Hmm. Jamel Hill, let's just be clear about something. The reason the Capitol Police were slow to respond is because they gave these white people the benefit of the doubt and treated it like a joke. The reaction isn't the same because they see black people as a threat that needs to be eliminated. Somebody said a white woman was shot, but you got bills to pay. Mm-hmm. Yamichi Alcinder. Law enforcement arrests 15 people today in D.C. 15. People are being arrested by the hundreds in Ferguson for peaceful protests and the killing of an unarmed black teenage. Well, that's peaceful. Okay. Stephen L. Miller, as I noted and will continue to note, Yamichi Alcindor is not a journal. Buildings destroyed in Ferguson riot worth millions. We've covered on the fucking show billions of dollars of damage across the country. But they're peaceful. Peaceful. Chris Murphy. One of the key questions from yesterday is why it took hours for there to be a response from the U.S. military to an armed invasion of the United States Capitol. And he goes on to blame the military for it. That makes sense. Okay. Ben Shapiro for a voice of reason. I just threw it in here. Biden and Harris could have provided a moment of unity. Everyone of good conscience deplores the riot in the Capitol. Instead, both decided to parrot the woke bullshit that the police treated the rioters with kid gloves would have murdered them en masse were they BLM. That categorically nonsense. Over the summer, BLM rioters ran roughshod through New York City, D.C., L.A., Chicago, and other major cities. And streets were renamed after BLM. Police departments defunded. Corporate brands cheered them. And politicians marched in Solidarity. Bridget Gabriel. If President Trump is responsible for the action of a few dozen people, then are Joe and Kamala responsible for thousands of BLM and Antifa rioters or burned down our cities? No. Just like Obama's not. I mean, two standards, two different worlds, virtual. Stephen Miller, an absolutely valid point. Greg Price. Atola of Iran and Chinese Communist Party are still allowed to tweet, but the President of the United States isn't. It's okay. Nothing wrong with it. Literally, Gretchen in Whitmer tweeted by Ed O'Keefe from CBS, who then deleted it. Dear America, sorry about Betsy DeVos. Because she resigned. But nobody cares. Nobody cares. It's, it's okay. It's okay. Other stories. Most often used hashtags include BLM and Antifa. SLC journos threat on Utah man who stormed the U.S. Capitol must read. KUTV has confirmed a Utah man involved in a violent protest in Utah this spring was in D.C. and stormed the Capitol amid violent protests. Jim Spiewak spoke to him, the story on 2 News 10. His most often used hashtag, BLM, Antifa, burn, fuck the system, abolish the police, fuck Trump. Nobody's going to report that. Byron York, before it started... Not only did Twitter lock President Trump's account 
and has now apparently locked Dan Bondingo's account for posing Trump videos on Capitol Hill. This is ridiculous. Worse, actually, people are perfectly capable of forming their own opinions on Trump's claim to have won the election. Trying to memory hole it is not only Big Brotherish, it deprives public of useful information. They went Orwellian, and now, you know, I don't know what he said now. It's gone next level. They're just deleting people. Journalism. CNN hack repackages up a partisan love note for Raphael Warnock. Now, it goes with it, so I'm playing it. This is how the media acted about Warnock winning. About that, Aaron, would you agree that President Trump and his antics are responsible for Democrats winning? Or would you look to Stacey Abrams, who has spent an enormous amount of time and effort with this extraordinary victory? I mean, it's amazing what she's done. It is remarkable, Stephanie. And listen, as somebody who is from Georgia, who has long covered Georgia politics and who has long covered the black electorate, I mean, I wrote the day after the election that Stacey Abrams blew up uh, the electoral map in Georgia, and, and she only doubled down on that uh, in, in the weeks headed into this runoff. And, and I think that what uh, we are likely seeing uh, is the result of, of, a, of the better part of a decade's worth of work uh, paying off in, in the likely victories of both uh, Raphael Warnock and John Ossoff last night. Listen, I mean, in 2014, she started the New Georgia Project, beginning to expand uh, the state's electorate by talking to people across the state, not taking any voters uh, for granted in rural Georgia, in particular, uh, people who had been unseen and unheard uh, in the state who didn't feel like their vote necessarily uh, counted. And and then, you know, after uh, coming so close to becoming the first black woman governor in the history of the country uh, in 2018, but, but missing that largely due, uh, so many people uh, believe, to voter suppression, uh, not going home, but saying, you know what, I'm going to continue to work uh, to empower voters uh, in this state, making that uh, her, her new focus uh, in the past two years. Uh, it, it just really cannot be overstated enough. I mean, it is one thing we talked so much about turnout being the key uh, to, to, to yesterday's election. It's one thing to turn out white voters in a red state, but to turn out black voters across the state in a red state in the way that she and other black women organizers did is is really uh, more than a notion. And, and just the idea that, that voter suppression was so front and center uh, and, and that, that it was not just about beating, uh, you know, David Perdue and Kelly Leffler, but really about. Uh, Marie Trace Kumar, you have been doing uh, voter organizing uh, for as long as I've known you, which is a very long time. You taught me a lot about it. Uh, it takes persistence because you have to be willing to go through a series of losses as you work your way up to the victories. It takes organization that survives losses to continue on to try to get victories. Stacey Abrams has done that. She has gone through the losses. John Ossoff has been part of those losses in Georgia, those disappointments in Georgia in the past. Uh, where does Stacey Abrams belong in the voter organizing hall of fame? <laughs> she is the queen, Lawrence. She is the one that was brought 
all this, these different groups of Americans in a time of you know, Trump tribalism saying we are one, we are a voice, we are together so much stronger and we could bring incredible impact change. And she is a blueprint for the future. But the groups on the ground through the New Georgia Project, through Mi Gente, through Voto Latino, through, you know, it, the list goes on, but it was a collective effort. And the amount of love that came into Georgia saying we need you, Georgia is standing up and rising. I, you know, everybody kept saying, singing this one Georgia song. The one that I keep thinking through my head is the devil goes down to Georgia, Lawrence, and basically says the devil's going packing because the Georgians, the community is standing up, rising, voting, and saying this is a new pathway for how America can be, not just in this election, for the next decade. If that wasn't bad enough, these are literally from CNN. Sister told you, partisan love note for Warnock from CNN anchor and retweeted lovingly by chief media correspondent Brian Seltzer. John Avalon with Reverend Raphael Warnock in the Senate, maybe will begin to depolarize the role of faith in American politics. It should not be seen as a partisan virtue. There's a progressive message in Jesus' teaching and nobody's going to be able to out-preach or out scripture Warnock. This is a man that at the pulpit said America needs to repent for being white. This is a man that's for third trimester abortions. But our media, well that's 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 good. What 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 are you talking about? What what are you talking about? Ben and Jerry's made a statement. Coca-Cola made a statement. Shopify removes Trump organization of Trump campaign stores, allows BLM. Nobody has a problem with it. Nobody. And then the overriding thing, and in my podcast I do This Is America, but I can't play it because I don't own the rights for that song. The entire event has been projected in a racial tone with racial overtures because that's the way they cover for all the violence all summer long and try to pin the tail on just Republicans are violent or the FBI were just right-wing extremists because they count every terrorist attack as right-wing. This is what was on our TV. 1619 was rolled out. Literally... The founder of BLM was rolled out. In what is clearly a just cause. Well, I think what we're seeing is the manifestation of a network of inequalities that black Americans face and have always faced. Uh, when we're framing these conversations, it's important to understand uh, that we're talking about the descendants of people who were enslaved in this country for 250 years, who then had to endure 100 years of legal apartheid, and who have only had 250 years, who then had to endure 100 years of legal apartheid, and who have only had full citizenship rights for 50 years. So we shouldn't be surprised then that black Americans are at the bottom of every social indicator and that we don't pay attention to that. Uh, and so people are forcing America to see it. Um, so I understand what uh, the mayor is saying, but at the same time, uh, even in Atlanta, black people are attending uh, 
large numbers of them failing schools, uh, large numbers of black people in the city of Atlanta are still living in poverty, are still having the highest uh, infant mortality and maternal mortality rates, high unemployment rates. So black people experience uh, these disadvantages no matter how many small businesses uh, black people own in a, in a particular city. You, you uh, wrote, I think, on Twitter something which I, th I thought was very intriguing. You said, let's not forget that even when people were protesting nonviolently, as M Martin Luther King was or John Lewis uh, was, that part of what they were doing was trying to expose the violence that the system, particularly the police, were using. Um, in a sense, they were, you know, baiting the police to do what they often did, which was use violence. Yes, unfortunately, in this country, black people's rights have been contingent on convincing enough white Americans that they actually deserve them. And the way that the civil rights movement had to do that, you know, there, there's this somehow we forget that white Americans were tolerating racial apartheid for 90% of black citizens until the civil rights movement. And the only way that black Americans were able to turn uh, white Americans to deciding this was no longer tolerable was to absorb white violence. When black people simply protested peacefully uh, and, and they were not experiencing white violence, white Americans were fine to turn a blind eye and they did that for decades. It was, you know, so I, I think it's a bit of a mis misnomer to call the civil rights movement a nonviolent movement. Certainly the protesters studied nonviolence as a tactic, but they had to court white violence in order to get white people to have sympathy. And that, uh, to me, is, is kind of the, the appalling contradiction. You write in, uh, in that 1619 project, in that, and I think it was the opening essay, you, these very eloquent words where you said that black Americans, African Americans, believed in the best of America even as they were exposed to the worst of America. And what you meant was they held America to its highest ideals even when they were exposed to the most, the, the most brutal variation from those ideals. Do you think uh, African Americans still believe in the best of America? Uh, I think it's very hard for black Americans to believe in the best of this country, uh, particularly after the election of uh, Barack Obama leads to the election of a president that many consider to be a white nationalist. But herein lies the rub. We are a 13% minority in a country literally founded on white supremacy. We have no choice but to believe uh, that we can fight to make this country truer. Because uh, if we don't believe that, then we just have to uh, submit to our subjugation. So I think black Americans have always been in this untenable position of being in a country that did not treat us as citizens, but having no choice but to fight to try to make ideals that did not include us true. And that's the role that we still play. But uh, I think these days it, it is very hard to believe in, in the best of this country. What, what, would, what advice would you give people? There are, there are people I know who are, you know, uh, who, who really feel uh, and empathize uh, with the, the pain and suffering that black Americans have gone through and are going through, but say this is ultimately going to help people like Donald Trump get reelected. The, the, you know, scenes of black people rioting is going to trigger a response among some whites, uh, maybe many whites, and that th that leaves them very uneasy. What do you say to people who worry about this, that, that there will be a kind of white lash to, to these riots? 
there is a white lash to black Americans no matter what black Americans do and black Americans are demanding their rights. I think uh, the time has passed that black people have to be held hostage to white fears uh, about whether they're going to have their rights or not. Prior to these riots, uh, a third of all black American children live in poverty compared to, uh, t or excuse me, uh, yeah, a third compared to 12% of white Americans. Uh, we spend $23 billion more dollars on schools that serve predominantly white students than we do on schools that serve predominantly black and Latino students. Black women are three more times likely to die of childbirth. We have twice the unemployment rate of white Americans. These were the conditions of black Americans before the riots, and white people were willing to tolerate them uh, as long as black people just quietly endured. And so, uh, honestly, the circumstances for black America are very difficult right now they were difficult before the riots, they will be difficult after the riots. If people truly believe in justice, then uh, these being forced to confront what they have been able to ignore shouldn't turn them. And if they can be that easily turned, they weren't really that interested in justice in the first place, I imagine. But do you think as a practical matter, I mean, do you, if you were, were to predict what the effect of this politically would be, do you think it, 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 will, um, it will strengthen, you know, the kind of racists out there or people like that? Uh, we, as a nation, elected Donald Trump and there weren't all of these riots. So maybe, maybe not. I, I'm not going to try to pol uh, predict politically what's going to happen. What I am going to say is that uh, the lives of so many black Americans were untenable prior to these riots. And many white Americans want the comfort of not having to be confronted with that, or they want to be confronted with it in a palatable way. But the circumstances black Americans live in are not palatable to black Americans. So yeah, perhaps it will, perhaps it won't. But people were saying that black people speaking up for their rights, black people demanding accountability prior to the riots was going to lead to Trump's reelection. And what that does is that holds black people hostage to the politics of white grievance. And I think black people are not willing to do that. You know, Nicole, um, as we've been watching the coverage of the protests across the country, um, we are seeing peaceful protesters, and then we're also seeing destruction, arson, looting. There is a bit of a, a raging debate, I think, in this country about how you express dissent and what is the appropriate or inappropriate way to express dissent. Um, the former President Barack Obama has said, you know, that that essentially there's no excuse for any forms of violent of, of violence, rather, um, in a statement condemning these acts of, of violence. Um, I want you, because one of the things you offer is a full perspective and context, more, most importantly, context. When we look at people rioting and looting, and no doubt some of the victims of the looting are going to be businesses that are African-American businesses. Um, how are we to interpret what we see there? Um, you know, the president called people thugs. What is it that we're looking at? Or, or And maybe it's not just one thing. I think, one, we, we need to be really careful with our language. Um, yes, it is disturbing to see property being destroyed. It is disturbing to see uh, people taking property from stores. But these are things. And violence is when an agent of the state kneels on a man's neck until all of the life is leached out of his body. Destroying property which can be replaced is not violence. And to put those things, uh, to use the exact same language to describe those two things, I think really um, 
it's not it's not moral to do that. So, yes, I, I think any reasonable excuse me, any reasonable person would say we shouldn't be destroying other people's property. But these are not reasonable times. These are people who have protested against police violence again and again and again, year after year after year. And still we can have videos of law enforcement with witnesses nonchalantly taking the life of, of a man uh, for the alleged crime of passing a fake $20 bill. So when we have people who say that uh, people should respect the law, uh, they're not respecting the law because the law is not respecting them. You can't say that, that regular citizens should play by all of the rules when agents of the state clearly are not. The lack of preparation was a choice. This is why I think it's important, as you've been so careful to do, Joy, to choose the right language. We've been hearing all day, all across television and social media, that the police just let this happen. But that implies passivity. And Joy, as you well know, these are active choices. Just like it was an active choice to vote for Donald J. Trump in 2016 and again in 2020, it was a choice for certain journalistic outlets to humanize his followers. It is a choice to not prepare for a promised insurrection and mob. It is a choice to ignore the repeated requests of black lawmakers to secure the Capitol ahead of time. It is a choice to take selfies with insurrectionists and to open up barricades to just invite them in. We are here because of intentional, deliberate choices that were made by people of power and privilege. But what I saw was under policing. They weren't shooting at anyone. It was one person did get shot. This was clearly designed and it was by design. And even the outrage of the woman that you just talked about who was quoted in The Nation, I mean, what she is saying is actually true for her. She deeply believes and deeply believes <laughs> that um, this country is supposed to demonize Black Lives Matter. It's supposed to demonize people who are fighting for dignity and justice and freedom. It is supposed to um, over-police our communities. It's supposed to uh, create us into an other that is criminal, uh, animalistic, and savage, and out to take something from white people in this country. And yet, as you saw at the Capitol- And in light of yesterday's insurrection at the U.S. Capitol, the Black Lives Matter Global Network released a statement pointing out the clear double standard in our country's law enforcement response to protests of racial injustice versus yesterday's pro-Trump mob riot, saying, quote, make no mistake, if the protesters were black, we would have been tear gassed, battered, and perhaps shot. I want to bring in now Black Lives Matter co-founder and executive director of the Black Lives Matter Global Network, Patrice Cullors. Patrice, good to have you with us as always. My phone right here is yours like mine. It's full of text messages and conversations I had yesterday from all of my friends, essentially saying, what if that was us? Essentially, that That's was right. the question being asked. So you tell me, what is the answer? If all of those thousands we saw, you changed that skin color and saw us climbing the walls, breaking the windows of the Capitol. How would this have gone down? It wouldn't have, it wouldn't have happened, first of all. Um, we would have had cops in riot gear. Uh, they would have had a full-on response to Black Lives Matter protests like we witnessed over uh, the summer of last year, which was mostly peaceful protesters being tear-gassed, rubber-bulleted, and brutalized just for calling for the ending of the killing of black people by law enforcement. And so we would have not seen what we saw yesterday if it were black people. 
Um, I say it would have been a massacre if it was black people trying to charge the Capitol. And so, you know, we're disturbed. Um, the Black Lives Matter movement is disturbed. We are, uh, we have been yelling uh, from the mountaintops for um, years now that this president is a dangerous president. And now I feel like the entire world, including... And I know I'm a little long on this one, over our hour, but it's kind of hard to pack it all in there. The next one will be fun. It's just going to be college crazy, military corner, things like that. But if the racial stuff wasn't bad enough, you then have CNN, an anchor on CNN, who used to be an actual journalist, Jake Tapper. These are his tweets, and I left the worst for last. It's time for healing, says Congressman Jack the Ripper. Bryn spreading lies about the election for months, voted to disenfranchise millions in Arizona and Pennsylvania, but bygones, am I right? And he's talking about Kevin McCarthy. Dr. Offensive Contact. What kind of rhetoric is this from a journalist? I don't even know who he's talking about, but this is way the fuck out of bounds. Good grief. Everything his critics said he was. This hurts our public even worse. You have a huge following. At least Jake Tapper is completely torching his phony image of being a fair journalist. Speaking of murderous politicians, Cuomo, the Unity candidates called Capitol Police racist. Journalists don't take sides. Chris Saliza, which I used to wear this out on the podcast, then I stopped. For the millionth time, journalists... Don't root for a side. But they do. Chris Hayes. The Trump mob attack on the Capitol now has a higher death toll than Benghazi. Which brings me to my closing remarks. That's two standards. See, a lot of people look down on people who voted for Trump as rubes, uneducated idiots. How could you vote for that guy? Well, if I voted for that guy, I knew what that guy was doing all the time. I knew that guy would be taken and held accountable. Whereas with Obama for eight years, Benghazi was a conspiracy theory. The IRS was a conspiracy theory. Sending plane loads to cash to Iran was a conspiracy theory. The ACA and him saying you can have your doctor, conspiracy theory. The same people who said 9-11 was an inside job ran our country for eight years. And now, once again, 80 million people, because they hate Trump, voted for a party that's been crying about dictatorship and fascism as they promptly become dictators and fascists. Cheered by a media that will always look the other way. So, of course, I voted for Trump again. Why wouldn't I? If I voted for Biden, I'm voting for us to not have a say or even know What are governments doing? It's closed doors. It's late night deals. It's everything they say the Republicans are bad at, but that's what they do. And worse than that, we're going to be run by the very people who literally played off destruction nationwide. 
It's like it just didn't happen until the polls started showing and then CNN and MSNBC got religion. And then all of a sudden, oh, wait, 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 wait. we need to stop this stuff because Biden might not get elected, even though we're pretty sure he's going to. I can't vote for that. The most important rights we have are one and two A. One, the right to say what we think. Two, the right to defend ourselves. But this right here, I'm going to sell. Because I can't have that anymore. I can't afford it. They're going to take that right away. On social media, you're not going to be able to say anything against the Biden community. We're going to go back to you must fucking respect the office of the President of the United States. That same lame shit that they don't do themselves. They're making new laws to make domestic terrorism basically everything SPLC says. And once again, white supremacy is horrible. KKK, horrible. Any group that wants to overthrow the nation is horrible. But those same people say Antifa is an idea. As cities burn and everything gets trashed. Those are the same fucking people. They're running the country. And as stated, they said Trump's a dictator. Trump's a fucking fascist. Yet they come right out the gate so much that a liberal, Glenn Greenwald, will be our closing article. There's absolutely a new war on terror being initiated. It's been lurking for a while, but it's accelerating now for obvious reason. This new one is aimed at inward domestically and entails many of the same frameworks they're saying it explicitly. If the last few decades teach anything, it should be that making weighty decisions at times of high and intense emotion, closely following an event that unifies most everyone to the point that any deviation or questioning are treated like treason or heresy, it's extremely unwise. Amazingly, yesterday, I wrote the same tactics used against critics of the first war on terror would be used for the new one, demonizing those who question the excess as pro-terrorist. Today, uh, up pops neocon David Frum to reprise his role this time as a liberal thought leader, and they went after Tucker. CNN's literally going after Tucker. And Fox News are trying to get cable to take it off because they don't want opposing views. I mean, it doesn't matter that Biden's never going to call on them. I mean, you can dog Trump all you want. He mixed it up with the other side. Obama didn't even talk to him. He spied on him. But that was okay because of Fox. I don't watch Fox. But you either have fucking free speech or you don't. It isn't free speech for people you like and people you don't like. It's not Trump's responsible for this violence, but Obama's not. You can't live like this or you're going to have more motherfuckers storming shit. And they're not going to be your party, the good people for justice. He continues, liberals who are behind the Biden-Harris plan to initiate a new war on terror, this time with primary domestic focus, won't need to study about neocons did with the first war on terror and learn those old tactics against critics. Neocons are their full ally in this. 
A key ally for the Dems in this domestic war on terror will be some media outlets who have acted as their spokespeople since 2016. CNN employs a former conservative, Oliver Darcy, whose main function in life is demand censorship on behalf of Dems. And he's just, there it is, the whole thing. Let's get rid of it. Let's get rid of anything that talks of Newsmax. It doesn't matter. Twitter, Facebook, Parler. I mean, they were so butthurt over Parler, you knew they were going to go after it, and they instantly found a reason. I mean, this is justified second statehood, taking guns, suppressing free speech, getting rid of Twitter, Facebook, no Parler, none of that stuff. And once again, you're either for free speech, the speech you don't like, or you're not for free speech. It's not a free speech for what I agree with. Most of the pro-dem media outlets employ people whose principal job is to demand censorship of Democrats' adversaries. When Facebook yesterday announced the Trump ban, Darcy immediately popped up to complain it wasn't broad enough, that we need mass banning of those on the rights. There was rightly a lot of focus on Trump in the aftermath of yesterday, but the tech combo should be bigger than Trump. Big tech has for years allowed bad faith actors who lie and mislead and provoke to exploit their algorithm for attention and build massive followings. Every day on Facebook, Twitter, and YouTube, some of the most dishonest people are empowered and algorithmically encouraged to spread lies and conspiracy theories and hyperpartisan nonsense to large audience. Tech platforms have not grappled with this in any meaningful way. I spent the first decade of my journalism career devoted to exposing and denouncing the excesses of the war on terror. If you question or concern about these new powers, you'll be branded as sympathetic to terrorist. And the world agreed. We do have two standards. But the two standards aren't black and white. It has nothing to do with race. It has to do with class and ideology. The elites in this country, whether they're conservative or lefties, look at everybody in a mega hat as an uneducated trailer park cousin-humping piece of shit. Yet they don't realize they'll come after you too. And that's probably the worst part about this. All these people that hate Trump are for all this because they hate Trump. But then they come for you. All these people say, oh, I don't have social media. I don't give a fuck what they do on social media. Social media is stupid. Without social media, there'd be no conservative voice. Without social sites like the Daily Wire, the Federalist, you'd never know about Hunter Biden's laptop. You'd never know about mega people being beaten in the street. You'd fucking never know anything about Benghazi. And the worst part is, because you don't like somebody, you voted for a person who is going to explicitly punish you. You. Do you think all their green shit's going to be enforced in blue states? No. But if you're in a red state with a coal-fired steam plant, you can goddamn guarantee your electricity's going up. Gas is already going up in prep of Biden jacking the fuck out of it. There's reports, $4 a gallon. So yes, the capital was atrocious. 
But if you're clutching pearls over the Capitol in one freaking violent protest from conservatives, and you're going with it's always the right doing violence, and you're ignoring the entire summer of violence, you're ignoring the media calling for the violence, you're ignoring Democrats saying they want violence, just because you hate Trump, and you think none of these policies are going to affect you personally, unless you vote and espouse what they believe, they're coming for you. It may not be today, it may not be tomorrow, but in this next four years, one of these policies that you think is virtuous because you fucking hate Trump, it's coming for you. It will affect you. That's why this never-Trumper, non-GOP, sitting on the fence, gets angry about all this. I got no skin in this game. I give a fuck about Trump on Twitter. I didn't follow him. I thought it was embarrassing. But it's the concept. You take free speech away from one, it becomes more. And it's happening. It's not a conspiracy theory. It's just reality. So that wraps up another Flyover Politic vidcast. Please feel free to share with your family and friends. Send comments about the track to Flyover Politic with a K at Outlook.com. You can get our SoundCloud podcast on Podcast Addict, TuneIn Radio, iTunes, Blueberry, and Stitcher. Make sure you check out the vidcast on YouTube and Rumble now. I have the sheet up right now. Rumble. Uh, I don't think I can read that either. It looks like rumble.com backslash C, backslash C, backslash... Uh, let's just pull that picture up. We're going to pull this up and say it right. The reason why I'm starting to rumble, a good friend of mine, Rich in Alabama, brought up, hey, you know, why don't you do a rumble... Because in the end, YouTube's going to be the same. So I'm going to get cracked down, and probably this won't be seen by anybody. It's not being seen by a lot of people. What I'm saying is it won't be able to be hosted anymore. The Rumble account is rumble.com backslash C backslash C dash 482467. 482467. I'm doing it as an account personal, so it's not searchable because that's a monetized site and I'm using video bytes from, you know, other sources and I don't have the, you know, I, I have, I could play this. It's open source, but I, I don't want money. This isn't a monetized podcast. It's just me shouting in my basement. Our next video one will be on call. I don't know when. I'm going to start after this a college crazy gay shit, everything is racist, fucking good old fun one. We'll play the music in the background as I'm talking. It'll be a good time. So, please, please, please disconnect from all your devices. Don't give the yeah, yes. And pay attention. It's gonna affect you eventually. It may seem like the best thing we ever did was to get rid of Trump. And maybe that's true. But if you think for a second the Democrats are not going to wield power to punish you, you haven't been listening to what they've been saying for four years. 
They don't want an opposition. That's why they want a second state. No filibuster, illegals legal, and total power forever. And the media's all for it. Thanks for watching, and you take care. Thank you for listening to Flyover Politic Podcast. Please check out our Twitter account at FopTonyReed and send suggestions or comments to email address F-O-P-P-O-D-C-A-S-T at gmail.com. Remember, the flyover states are the backbone of this country. Never fear flying your flag and standing tall. Ignore the media hate. Ignore the fascist coastal states. Try as they might to bring America down, the patriots of this country will never bow down.